0: This podcast discusses difficult topics that may not be appropriate for all listeners. We are not doctors or therapists. None of our content should be construed as medical advice nor as a substitute for professional help. Names and other specific identifying details are often changed for the privacy and protection of our guests. Our guests' experiences are shared as they experienced them. Opinions may not reflect the opinions of Beck and Ella or this podcast. There will also be adult language used, lots of it. Listener discretion, strongly advised. Welcome back to Narcissist Gaslighters and Cheaters. Oh my, I'm your host, Beck, And I am your other host, Ella. How are you? I'm good, it's a beautiful day out. Yeah, it actually is a gorgeous day out today. The sun is out, it almost looks like spring outside. So
1: I went out and I enjoyed it. I had a nice walk down by the river.
0: Nice. Yeah. I have been inside because, as you know, our good friends had a big birthday party mm-hmm. two days ago. And because I am 40, I am still recovering from it. So I've been inside.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, I opted out of that because I was on the verge of getting sick. And I was like, I know my 44-year-old body. All right. <laughs> I'm going to dump right into... Something awful, and I don't want
0: it. Yeah, you did miss a very good time, though. Good. And I will say, like, having a booth at a club is, like, really the way to go. I don't think that I will ever go to a club again without, (laughs) like, a booth that you have all night as your, like, home base. Right. So you're not in the middle of everybody. You're just sitting with your friends, and it really enhanced the experience, I will say. Nice. So happy birthday to Jenny and Christine. Yes. We'll see if they listen to our podcast and hear their shout-out. (laughs) <laughs> that's the true
1: test our our friend really listening to our podcast <laughs> yeah christine and jenny and i'm so sorry i didn't come out i just knew that i was going to get sick and i needed to
0: rest so it was a good call but we did have a very very good time so there will be other parties there will be yes For sure. But anyway, uh, we are here today doing a re-release of an earlier episode. We have some content that we are working on coming up. We also had some content scheduled that is not going to come out. So we're doing a little bit of catch up and I'm going to be traveling for a couple of weeks and Ella has some other projects going on as well. So To buy us a little bit of time, we're going to re-release an earlier episode. And we picked this one because I happened to be listening to it the other day. And it was a really early one. It was our second episode, I do believe, our second full episode. And it's really good. Like, it's such a great story. And Rache is so engaging. And I feel like as so many of our listeners have come on later in the podcast, maybe some of you haven't heard it or would just like to hear it again. I feel like... I listen, have listened to it a couple of times, and I feel like I got something completely different out of it this last time. So there's nothing wrong with getting those messages over and over again out into the world. But this one's a really good one. I'm excited to re-release it. And that's what we're here today to do. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you make a good point because it really
1: depends on where you are in that moment when you're listening to something and how you are absorbing it and receiving it. So it's a really
0: good point. Yeah, and I think it's a really good Rochelle was very young when she got into this relationship, still in high school. So obviously you're not super well-versed in red flags and those kinds of things, but it's a good one that shows little cracks from the very beginning. Him really not caring about her feelings or opinions, I mean, even from their first date and choosing a film that— she had no interest in seeing, you know, those little things add up and it's things that would pop out now, you know, as an adult or like way down the line, but it's interesting to kind of listen for those little things and, and how someone that young is of course not going to recognize them. And the guidance she had from other women in her life were not to educate her on those red flags either. So.
1: Right. Absolutely. But also during that time in, I guess, society, when you were entering into a relationship, there were very different things that we looked for, right? And she points set out looks being the most important, right, in that aspect. And you know, you can't always judge a book by its cover. You can't I'm really bad mistake.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm very excited to re-release this one. Um in our early episodes, this one had the most listenership. It seemed to be a really, really good one. So I'm anxious for you to hear the story again if you haven't already. If you have, um, give it another listen. You might hear something that you missed last time that is very helpful to you or to someone you know. So we're anxious to play it for you again.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's called All American Chad, which I am so proud of that pun. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And the other day about
0: it and she was like it's a great title <laughs> it's probably the best title <laughs> yeah it's a very very good title the next story that we have coming out was a listener who wrote in to us through our website in our contact form nice. to be on the show she has a great story we're very anxious to share it with you but we would love to hear from more of you please send it if you've been thinking about telling your story if you've been thinking about just getting it out into the ether it's a very cathartic experience every single person we have had on this show has said you know i was terrified to do it Mm -hmm. i was so nervous when we hit that record button but then you guys made it very simple and i was very relaxed and it just flowed really easily and at the end of it i felt a hundred pounds lighter so please if you want to try it Trust us. Like, we will make it very easy. We will protect your story. If you want to be anonymous, we can change names, we can change details like we always do Mm -hmm. and still make it flow. And it just does really help to share your story. It helps you, it helps people listening. So, we would love to hear from you. If you would like to be a guest on our show, please let us know.
1: Absolutely. Because, I mean, healing through storytelling, right? Yeah. You got to get it out of you. And someone else definitely needs to hear it from you so they can get out of their situation. So it's just a win-win all around. Yeah, we're super down to earth. Chill people, once you start getting in a conversation with us, it'll all melt away.
0: <laughs> it will. There was a um, I volunteer at a women's shelter and there is a sign on one of the walls there that says shame dies when stories are told in safe places or stories are shared in safe places. And I love that so much. Yeah. And it really does. Like, I think victims slash survivors carry a lot of shame for the patterns or the going back to someone or continuing to keep someone in your life or whatever the case may be when it's not your shame to carry. Mm -hmm. The only person that should feel ashamed is the abuser. It's another way to help with that as well as to just get that out there and and know that you're so supported by this entire community so yeah if you want to share your story please let us know
1: yes please by going to ngcompod.com share a story we would love to hear from you so with that
0: we will kick off today's re-record or reissue or re-whatever it's a we call it a replay spotlight with that we will kick off today's replay spotlight thank you so much for listening we appreciate you all so very much Have a good night, Ella. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. We have Roche with us today. Welcome, Roche. Hi. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being willing. I really appreciate it. (laughs) So let's jump right in. Oh, my. Let's get into it. (laughs) So, Roche, tell us where you grew up and what did your childhood look like? Okay. So I grew up in Arizona um, uh, to a single mom. And I had a half-sister who was like 11 years older than me. Um, and she was the bad kid, and I was the good kid, obviously. And uh, because my mom was a good person but a bit emotionally immature, I became like the caretaker of her emotional well-being okay. at a very young age. Uh, so I always tried to be the good kid, and I always tried to never do the wrong thing because I- she didn't need another reason to be upset. You know, sure. He yeah. grew up too fast. Oh, yeah. Or you were forced to grow up too. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't even like it was her fault. It was just, let me see and hear and be a part of more than I probably should have. You know, yeah. like knowing about money troubles at the age of six is probably unsafe, feeling. Really? Yeah, yeah. And then like my therapist helped me discover my core trauma, which is like the tree trunk from which all your trauma branches spring right and uh we discovered that it was something that was so innocuous at the time but created this horrible belief in myself that i deserve bad things to happen to me Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and it's that when i was younger i would get bullied i would get made fun of um i didn't have a lot of friends people didn't like me because i liked to answer the questions in class you know, things like that. Um, boys didn't like me or want to date me or anything like that. And anytime I would come to my mom and I'd say, "These, you know, these kids are being mean to me or this person said something mean or this person's bullying me. Her response was always, well, honey, they're just jealous. They're just jealous of you because you're smarter than them or you're prettier than them. They're just intimidated by you because you're so confident. You're so smart. You carry yourself well. And my therapist explained to me that when she said that, instead of saying, you don't deserve to be treated that way, I'm so sorry, it made me believe that, oh, if I feel good about myself, if I'm doing things I'm proud of, of course people are going to hate me. Of course people are going to treat me poorly, Mm. things like that. And so that started a habit of me just assuming that I was going to be lonely and... Then, as I started getting older, you know, around puberty age, my mom started trying to give me friendly advice on how to make people like you, specifically boys. Because the end-all be-all to a lot of people her age and from that generation is getting a good husband, having a good family, being conventionally beautiful. That's what you aimed for. Mm -hmm. And... That meant that at a very young age, she was trying to teach me how to dress, not in clothes that I felt comfortable in or that I liked, but clothes that were flattering to my shape. Clothes that, oh, your butt looks so cute in that. Oh, that shirt, it really fits you well here. Mm -hmm. And so I started developing my own taste in a um, sexually attractive way at at a young age. She taught me that the the main goal as a woman was to be down to earth. Don't be high maintenance. Don't have wants or needs that need to be met by other people. Don't uh be picky. Don't be too loud, which is the plot calling the camel block. Um, <laughs> the loudest in them all. Uh, and don't be don't be too girly. Don't be too much. Yeah, but also you have to be hot enough for them to want to fuck you. Am I allowed to say? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. you got to be hot enough to where like all the guys want to be your friend. You can be one of the guys. You can hang out with the dudes, but given the opportunity, they would all jump in your pants. You know, you have to be both sides of the coin. Because that's the goal. That's the goal. And then the hotter your partner is, the more successful you are. Because look at how hot, like if nobody wants, if everyone's looking at your boyfriend going, Congratulations, I'm so glad. Does he have a good personality? Uh, then clearly you've done something wrong. <laughs> and if your boyfriend's really hot and all your friends are like, God, how'd you get such a hottie? Then you've succeeded. And I think that kind of set me off on a very desperate path to be in a relationship with anybody that was conventionally attractive and a conventional man. And we're not even gonna probably have to touch on the fact that I would be looking at my friends who were lesbians with girlfriends and I go, God, I wish I could have a girlfriend. Too bad I'm straight. (laughs) that's a whole different podcast but (laughs) i was so desperate to have a hot boyfriend (laughs) because nobody wanted to date me nobody would take me to high school dances that when i got an opportunity from my high school coach to go on a date with her son who was shipping out the next day uh and i had seen his picture on her desk i was like this is the best i'm gonna get He's a conventionally attractive military guy, of course. Right. And that is when it all went downhill. <laughs> so tell us about your first encounter with Chad. Come <laughs> on, Chad. Uh, so I remember our very first date. So his mom had called me and said, hey, do you want to go on a date with my son? He's leaving. And I was like, uh, yeah, I have to ask my mom because he's 19 and I just turned 16. Um. And my mom was my mom felt bad because I couldn't get into the school dance that night because I lost my ID for the school and she wanted to make me feel better. Sh- sure. She was also very afraid that I was falling in too much with the Mormon kids at my school. And she was really excited that an older guy who wasn't Mormon was going to pull me away from that quote-unquote cult so she was like yes please go on a date with this older dude and what could possibly go wrong what could possibly go wrong and then she saw a picture of him and she goes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> all based on looks <laughs> um that you do you want to fuck her <laughs> <laughs> work, uh-huh. so he picked me up in his dance camaro but it was like a 1986 Cabrera. It wasn't that good. And he barely fit in it. <laughs> uh, he took me to this Mexican restaurant, which was his favorite. And it was probably the worst Mexican food in the in the whole. We lived in Arizona, y'all. Like, there's good Mexican food. Right. And uh, then he took me to see Beer Fest, which should have been a red flag. Did you guys ever see that movie? Um, it's like Euro trip. Gotcha. But with beer. Like, Is there uh, any input from you of, like, do you want to see this movie? No, absolutely not. Also, I'm pretty sure I was legally too young to see an NC-17 film, but it just took me anyway.
1: <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's one of those comedies. Uh, and not my style of comedy at all. I guess now that I'm an adult, I can appreciate those films, but back then I didn't. Uh he took me to the date, and he was a total gentleman. Um, didn't hold my hand, didn't try to touch me, was very respectful of my space. Uh, he told me that I looked beautiful, and then he dropped me off at my door, and he didn't give me a kiss or anything. He just, you know, said good night, and uh, then he left. And he, we immediately started doing the star-crossed lovers letters to each other thing because he was in boot camp, and I was in love though i had a boyfriend uh he was mormon though we held hands for nine months that was it it didn't count (laughs) so uh so we were writing letters back and forth to each other and when he got back he immediately started spending all of his free time with me like he would show up to my high school and hang out in his mom's classroom and then i would take lunch in there and after school I'd hang out in there any free period I had I would hang out in there and he would just he was just always there and always insisting that if I'm free I'm talking to him I'm spending time with him and it was immediately like he was in every part of my life and then he ended up going on a on a deployment shortly-ish after uh, when I was a senior in high school and that's when he made me like get a BlackBerry so that we could, a BlackBerry, I'm <laughs> old, uh, so that I could access my email during class. And my I look at my teachers like, you don't understand. He's in Afghanistan right now. <laughs> he was in Iraq, whatever. Uh, and, uh, it's important. I get to be on my phone in class. Uh, so yeah, my, my senior year, he was deployed and it was all those letters and I was building it up in my head as like, oh, we're star-crossed lovers and you know, we're meant to be together and things like that. And he seemed really caring and thoughtful in his letters and everything like that. So even when he had been home before he deployed and he had started doing the little things like pressuring me to uh, have sex with him, even though I wasn't ready by threatening to go have sex with other women, oh, it's been six months, I need it. We, he deployed and all the letters were so loving and everything. I was willing to ignore all of those things. Like, oh, well, he's a man. Of course he needs to have his needs met. And he wasn't a virgin before he met me. So it's unreasonable for me to expect him to wait that long to have sex with me, you know? And man, we've got to do better for young girls. We just <laughs> exact got to do better. Definitely. Absolutely. It's, it, and, and I've never, my mom has never been the wait until marriage to have sex mom. Sure. But, She's like, Oh, I would love it if you waited. Which why? Why do you why would you love if I waited till I was married to have sex? Why? What what makes you better for doing anyways? I digress. Uh, but she uh she just she she kept being overly supportive of the relationship. And then even when my grandma and my aunt uh and my uncle were very much so wary of the relationship, uh she supported me Kind of cutting them off and uh, deteriorating my relationships with them while she supported my relationship with him. Um, Mm -hmm. Then while he was deployed, something happened to me. I had been with my best friend at the time and we went to her boyfriend's house because we loved older boys. And so he had his own place, <laughs> right? So oh, cool. yes. so mature, cool. so mature. Uh, and it was supposed to be just her, me and her boyfriend hanging out. And we got like a bottle of Captain Morgan. And I didn't realize at the time that there was a difference between a single shot and a double shot. So I accidentally did 14 shots of Captain Morgan in an hour and a half. As you do. Oh, As a 17 year old adult woman would, right? <laughs> uh, and then once we were good and drunk, his roommate woke up and came out of his room and he said, oh, I thought you were still in Georgia. He goes, oh, I got back this morning. I've been sleeping because I took the red eye. And they he looked at his girlfriend, who was my best friend, and said, OK, well, we're going to go to my room and we're going to have sex tonight and I'll see you in the morning. And they left me in the living room, 14 shots in with this guy that I didn't know. And long story short, I was raped and I- I remember the next morning, my best friend looked at me and I told her, I said, I think I think something happened last night because I woke up and I wasn't wearing clothes and she used condom on the floor. And she goes, better not let your boyfriend in, in Iraq know that you cheated on him. Oh, my God. And so... <laughs> I never said anything. He came back, and I- I'm so sorry because that happened to you. We need to find an eject there. Yeah, like because nobody, nobody deserves anything like that. It doesn't matter if you do 14 shots or 1,400 shots. I know that no. now. Of course, it's definitely one of those things that took me a long time. And actually, I reached out to her recently, and I was asking her for help identifying the guy because I don't know his name or what he looks like or anything. And she apologized to me. She's like, I'm so sorry for the part that I played in that. You know, even though it wasn't, I I said, it's not your fault. You were a child too. Right. We were both kids. Yeah. We didn't know any better. And that's all both of us had ever been taught. Right. So it's not either of our faults. It is unfortunate that it happened. But I'm glad that now I can teach my kids not to let that happen. Or like not let that happen as in not let yourself be assaulted, but to not let your let not blame yourself for something like that happening right um long story short and we don't leave our friends with yeah don't yeah don't but she was also already drunk and her boyfriend wanted to have sex and he was like hey bye let's go i'm not blaming her at all yeah that's a good thing to, to remind girls of like you should be able to go out and have fun and party and drink you shouldn't have to worry about it but unfortunately we do so look out for each other Mm -hmm. As best you can. Exactly. Yeah. So we ended up being college roommates, and it was kind of a toxic friendship (laughs) at the time. Uh, And long story short, we ended up falling out of friendship. My husband, or my boyfriend at the time, had come back, taken me to Texas, proposed to me with no ring, um, and later told me it was because I pressured him, obviously. And my best friend roommate, who I was having a falling out with, had basically said to... A mutual friend that she was going to tell my fiance that I cheated on him while he was deployed. So I rushed down. I drove two hours. I got a speeding ticket. So I was like, he has to hear this from me first. And I had known that it was not okay. It felt like assault, but I still wasn't comfortable using the rape word mm-hmm. um' it was a really scary word to use, yeah,
1: yeah, because
0: yeah. So I found I, ran i drove so fast to him got to his house or his mom's house where he was staying and i said he came outside and i said i just need to tell you something that happened and i kind of vaguely explained it and he looked at me and he said nothing pretty much and he just went back inside and he didn't talk to me for a week during that week i moved to a new dorm room where i didn't have a roommate and he came up to visit me and i had just started my period this might be tmi (laughs) no no for the women listening When you put, and this is vital to the story, so I have to say it, when you put a tampon in and you haven't had it in for very long, it hurts to take it out too soon. Mm -hmm. And I had started my period and he was like making out with me and he was trying to get me undressed. I was like, I'm on my period. I can't have sex. I can't. I can't. No. And he kept getting me undressed. and He's like, well, you're still making out with me. I said, well, I mean, I'm attracted to you and I would like to have sex with you, but I can't right now. The answer is no Uh, and so then he you know got on top of me and he pulled it out anyways and he had sex with me for about 45 seconds and then finished and got off and then left me for four hours and when he came back he said to me we'll never talk about that again and we didn't and that was the first time that it was ever obvious to me that we weren't playing by the normal playbook of relationships right? Yeah. But at that point, I had cut off my f- my grandmother and my aunt uh, because I had gone all in on this relationship. I was willing to lose a relationship with women who helped raise me to be a part of this relationship. And I was sitting there feeling guilty because, well, I was the one who cheated, so I deserved it. It was him basically taking back what was his, you know, gross shot for a shot. Very gross. Yeah. So... We ended up getting married in Vegas before his next deployment, which in which he got drunk. And then uh, I don't remember being able to find him for the most of the night afterwards. Uh, His friends stayed with me and hung out with me, his military buddies, but not him. He was missing. Yeah. Uh, And then he timed. Yeah. Right. And then he deployed and I ended up moving into an apartment and I was working full time and going to school full time. And every time we talked, he was still making me feel bad about how much money I was asking him to help pay for our apartment. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to work more and more and more so that I would ask him for less and less and less. Um, He got back and pretty much within two months told me, I'm getting out of the military and I'm taking a job with an oil rig company in Oklahoma. And I was like, "Um, I've got enough scholarships to where I'm getting paid at the end of each semester here at my university i don't want to leave he goes well i guess you don't have to come live with your husband then wow i guess i'd rather be there by myself anyway and i'd already been married for a year at that point without living with my husband so i was like i guess i'm moving to oklahoma so i quit school and i moved to oklahoma and i started working as a waitress and i'm pretty sure the cheating had already been going on since we'd been dating um but i didn't know and uh When I found out I was pregnant, he drove me to the Planned Parenthood (laughs) that morning, but it was closed. And then I said to him, I don't want an abortion. Like, I'm pro-choice. If that's what you want or need in your life, if you don't want to have a baby, go for it. I don't want to give this baby up. It doesn't feel right. And he didn't speak to me for about a week again because he does this thing where if he's not happy with an opinion I have, he will just give me the silent treatment. Mm -hmm. So he's not hitting me. He's not yelling at me. He's not calling me names, but he will just deprive me of any kind of connection at all, which is is abusive. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. they form up the two-story. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that the silent treatment is abuse, and it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. So, like, even if, like, I tend to do that a lot when I'm upset, I shut down, and I'm not trying to like punish the other person. I just have a hard time processing my own stuff, and I have a hard time verbalizing, and I. I read that once that that the silent treatment is abusive and it really like changes your perspective on it. I'm like, no, I have to put my big girl panties on and go say how I'm feeling and like work through this because it absolutely is abusive to make somebody sit in that alone for. Question the whole, like what's going on. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very hurtful. Yeah, yeah. And so whenever he would do that, it would make me desperate to make him want to speak to me again which I realize now is a tactic. Right. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, our relationship, our marriage was pretty much your run-of-the-mill narcissistic abuse. He didn't end up putting his hands on me until about three months before he asked for a divorce, and we'd been married for four years. So the majority of it was never overt and obvious. My mom, my family... They had no idea that it was happening. Uh, my friends had no idea. Uh, were there times in between all of those instances where he was charming and affectionate or made you feel like maybe you should be there or maybe these things weren't that big of a deal? Or At the beginning, yes. Uh, when I had friends or family that I would vent to and I'd say, you know, he said this or he did this and it really hurt my feelings... Uh, they would give me advice like, that's not okay. And you need to, like, you need to leave, girl. But I was 17, 18. I was a child. <laughs> I was convinced I was in love. And so I didn't want to listen. And I would talk to him about it. And that's when he started cutting me off from my friends and family. And it was never, you're not allowed to see them again. It was always, I don't like that friend. Right. I don't like that friend. Oh, wow. You just had our baby. Two weeks ago, and you went to the store with your mom again. God, you're spending so much time with your mom. And so they say these things, and you're thinking, oh, I don't want to make them mad. What I'm doing is upsetting them. I need to stop doing that. So by the time, because we had ended up moving back to Arizona uh, so I could help take care of my grandma who was dying, and I was eight months pregnant. Uh, I had to fly back to Oklahoma with my mom to pack up all of our stuff in the house and move it and drive it with the U-Haul. Well, we ended up getting like one of those people that like ships your stuff because I was eight months pregnant. But he refused to go pack up our stuff at the house. He's like, no, I've got better things to do. Uh, he did not. (laughs) Spoiler alert. He did not. He did not Uh, not have better things to do, but I had to go do it anyway. Uh, And when we got back to Arizona, it was slowly starting to cutting me off, especially after we had my daughter cutting me off from my mom, uh, cutting me off from my sibling and my nephew, cutting me off from any friends I had. And then even though my mom was letting us live in her house that she didn't live in. She had like an extra house. She's like, you just have to pay half the mortgage and your utilities. So we were paying 300 bucks a month for an entire house. Like so It wasn't like a huge house, but it was like a three bedroom house. It was perfect for a starting out family. He made us move 32 miles away into the middle of nowhere because he wanted a better house and he didn't want a charity from my mom. <laughs> uh, so he moved me far away from everybody. So it would be less convenient for me to see them. And, uh, that way I wouldn't have any help with my daughter. Once he had cut me off from everyone, the veil kind of dropped and he stopped trying to do the thing where when you catch them in a lie or you call them out for bad behavior or you act like I'm done, uh, He, they, how they do the whole love bombing thing where they, oh, I'm so sorry. You're so right. I'm terrible. I'm here for you. I'm going to be an amazing husband. He stopped doing that once I had nowhere else to go and no support. And that's when I kind of stopped calling him out on it because I started thoroughly believing that I was crazy and that the things that were upsetting me didn't actually happen. Because anytime I tried to bring it up, he'd tell me that that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, so then I started not believing my own memory, which affects me to this day. And we've been divorced for a decade. Um, the LIDA literally... is such a tough one. Like when you have been gaslit so long, you really, and for, for me personally, like having ADHD, mm-hmm. I don't trust my memory anyway. Um, me too. I just got diagnosed two years ago with ADHD and. So many things make sense. So like when you do that to someone who already doubts their memory, it gets really, it's easier to do that to someone who already, because like it's its likely that you don't remember or you didn't remember, but you know that that's not what this is. Like you know that they said that. Yeah. And you know that you felt that way, but like it's a really mind fuck way to control someone. And it's really, I, to this day also- question yeah. myself um, well and the sad thing is is you move on to new relationships and there's genuinely points in relationships where you're arguing you're and you say well you said this or you never told me that that happened that you had this plan and your partner genuinely disagrees with you or says i i definitely remember telling you i had this plan and it triggers this yes yep. oh now you're gaslighting me thing when it might just genuinely be a disagreement and you know Memories are fallible. People aren't perfect, but it starts automatically feeling like malicious, right. even if your partner doesn't have that intent. Yep. <laughs> um, so he he started doing a lot of that. So I eventually just stopped arguing. I remember he would never compliment me. But he would constantly point out little things that were wrong with me to the point where I could give you something wrong with every part of my body from the tip top of my head to my very toe. Even like telling me my fingers are too fat. My toes look like sausages. My boobs look like pancakes when I lay down on my back. My stomach is not flat enough. My butt's too small. Uh, what's really bad is you don't have those dimples in your lower back like most sexy women do. That's really sexy, you don't have that. Uh, It was unattractive that I didn't like beer. Uh, My ears were too small. My eyes were too far apart. I mean, everything under the sun. When I was pregnant, I had acne on my face and my chest and my back. It was really bad. And that got exploited a lot. Anytime I, well, after, after I had my baby, I didn't lose my weight super quickly, which meant I was no longer attractive. Um, and he just always said it in such a nonchalant way as if it was just a fact. It wasn't like he was, we were in an argument and he was calling me name. That's the worst. Mm-hmm. it's way more insidious when it's not overt. Yeah. When they're just saying it, like they're just stating a fact, like, oh yeah, no, you've got little sausage, fat, ugly toes and fat feet. Of course you do. Remember you said that you inherited that from your great grandmother? Said, yeah, we've got wide feet in our family. Now I feel like a hobbit though. Thanks. i nice. yeah. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. And then uh, another thing that that he would do is put all the responsibility on me. I don't remember him lifting a finger when we lived together. He never washed a dish. He never swept a floor. I remember one time I was trying to change my daughter's diaper and all the wipes were stuck together. You ever have that happen? You just roll one and it's like the... The the shifts magic. <laughs> in the clown's uh, pocket, yeah. Uh, and I, he was playing a video game, and I was yelling down the hall, uh, like, can you please come help me, please, dear God? And there's, was a blowout. There was poop everywhere. I couldn't put her down. And I remember him, like, slamming his stuff down and hearing him stand her spread fucking mother of the year. Oh, my God. Because I needed help with one diaper change. Absolutely insane. Um. And that was just the behavior that kind of was the norm. Uh, The thing that always makes people clutch their pearls when I tell them about my narcissistic abuse story is that essentially the only time we ever had sex was when I actively didn't want it. Mm. It wasn't. First of all, women are taught and girls are taught that it's not really a thing to be able to be raped by your husband. Um and it wasn't legally until like until right, the nineties. Yeah. And right in right. some states I don't in some states it's how do you even prove it? Because how right. is a rape kit going to prove right. that it was non consensual? Right. It's based on what you said. She said she said. Right. And to clear that up for anyone listening, your relationship with a rapist doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. By your marriage status. It doesn't even matter if you said yes in the beginning and changed your mind halfway through. Like that doesn't matter. Rape is rape, um, regardless. Yeah, I've been with I've been with men who I said yes and then halfway through I was like, This doesn't feel right. I'm really sorry. Can we stop? And he was like, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so sorry. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I think I'm just still hung up on my ex, you know, this I think I just rushed into this. I wasn't ready. He's like, yeah, sure. No problem. I'm really sorry. And he like handed me my clothes and helped me. And that, that was after my first marriage was over. And I was like, you're not like mad at me that I stopped us in the middle of having sex. And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. I uh, probably should have dated that one. And <laughs> <laughs> never learned my lesson. When did you learn about narcissists? recently-ish, actually. I didn't even realize that what he was doing was wrong, let alone have a label for it, until after we were divorced for a couple years. And I remember talking to my mom and we were like, we were in California at my aunt's house, just chilling by the pool. And the conversation started off innocuously enough. And I would just say, oh, well, you know, we would, you know, he would do this or I'd say this. And my mom would just go, what? That's not okay. And at first it was funny. Like, what do you mean he you, He told you that it's impossible for a man to have sex twice in one session? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, weird conversation to have with your mom. Yeah, mom, it's a one and done for men. And she's like, not if they're good at what they do. <laughs> what do you mean you've never had an orgasm with a partner for Shay? And I'm like... Uh, well, a woman's orgasm isn't real. <laughs> that's, that's only achievable by uh, toys that you buy at a store, and you can only do it yourself. Like, people can't. Duh. You don't get an orgasm <laughs> from sex, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, where <are> you, <laughs> Apparently, my mom has been more places than I have. <laughs> it's <laughs> in there. Yeah, she, whoops. Uh, yeah, so she's. Uh, she was like, that's not right. And then I'd be like, well, what about, what about, like, this thing? And I would, you know, say, you know, Whatever. Well, you know, I was spending too much time with you, mom. She goes, you had just had a baby two weeks prior and I was taking you grocery shopping. So you didn't have to do it yourself with an infant. Um, And I'd sit there and I'd go, yeah, I guess that was an unreasonable thing for him to get mad about. Right. And for a long time, I was like, oh, he was just unreasonable. He was just controlling and it wasn't until, and I've got to say, as stupid as this sounds, it it wasn't until TikTok. <laughs> it's not stupid. It's this beauty of social media and being able to connect with people that you would never be able to connect with. Oh, you know what it was, actually? I take that back. It was the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. The Me Too movement. When I first saw the hashtag, he doesn't hit me butt, mm-hmm. that's when I was like, oh, Because for a long time, for a long time, I was like, well, I'm not happy and I feel terrible all of the time. And I hate myself. And I don't want to be here anymore. But I don't have a reason to leave. I don't have an excuse to leave because he hasn't done anything wrong. And I remember we got into a fight. I had already asked for a divorce in October. He told me you're never going to find anybody else. Look at you. You're fat. You're used up. You've got a kid. By the way, I was five, eight and one hundred and maybe 60 pounds. I was not fat. No, right. (laughs) Not at all. And, you know, who's going to want you? You're disgusting. And so I stayed. And he told me, no, I'm not divorcing you. You don't get a divorce. You have to stay. And you promised until she's 18. You promised. So I stayed. And that December, we had gone to Disneyland. And I remember I was doing all the packing for all of us when we were trying to come okay. home. And he's sitting on the bed watching TV in the hotel room. And I'm like, hey, can you go check the bathroom to make sure we grabbed everything and check under the beds? He got all huffy, like, <gasps> why do I have to do so much? (laughs) I'm like (laughs) trying to pack three people's worth of shit into two suitcases. And he goes, Nope, there's nothing in the bathroom. And like the next day we came home and he was trying to, I was brushing my teeth and he goes, where's my toothbrush? And I said, well, did you grab it out of the bathroom in the hotel room? He goes, you were the one packing. You should have. And he was getting really aggressive about it because he got to that point where he didn't care anymore if it was overt or not. And it was just yelling at me for everything. And I finally decided I was going to stand up to him. And I was was like, I was 100% sure that this wasn't my fault. I had a very clear memory that I had told him to check the bathroom. And I said, no, I told you to double check. You left your own toothbrush there. And that is not my fault. Good for you. And that's when he grabbed me by the throat and chokeslammed me against a, a wall. And I almost passed out. And I was hitting his arm as hard as I could and scratching at him, trying to get him to stop. I couldn't reach his face. He was like five, wait, six inches taller than me. So I did not have the reach necessary. And he finally like snapped out of it and he stopped. And I was crying and I was grabbing things and throwing him into a suitcase. I said, I'm taking my daughter and I'm leaving. And that was the first time I ever saw him cry. Just... I'm so sorry i must have had a ptsd flashback from the war Mm. uh which i will spoiler you for you uh his friends came to me after the divorce because my best friend's husband and brother served with him that's how she and i met as well as some of his other friends who totally wanted to get this uh and they were like yeah we don't know why he was with you and i said well you know I'm a good person, and I was with him, and when he got his PTSD, and they're like, nothing ever happened. We were not, we never did anything. Like, our deployments were boring. Like, he never even had to point a gun at anybody. Nothing happened. I don't know what PTSD he's talking about. And I was like, oh, oh, good to know. Why don't y'all say this shit sooner? Like, four years ago. And they're like, well, we didn't know you. We knew him. Which... Another whole thing about how men see other men being total shitbags and they just won't say anything Mm. and nothing's going to get better in our society and this kind of abuse isn't going to stop the brunt until, until men start realizing that they need to step up too when they see this shit happening. My husband will—he'll knock your ass straight out if he sees you mistreat a woman in front of him without hesitation. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's looking for a reason (laughs) all the time, (laughs) (laughs) and he's not violent at all. But he'll listen to like some of my podcasts and things that I'm playing, and he'll like. He's calm and gentle and not violent, but he'll stick his head in the room and be like, the problem is nobody's beat this guy's ass. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, maybe, you know, but like he even gets so mad just hearing the snippets. I'm like, if you even knew all of the things that just my friends yeah. have experienced. But Yeah. 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 It's it's just weird to me that it's always been so uh, for his friends in the military with him. It was always so obvious the kind of person he was. I mean, the day he got back from his deployment, I was like down there like trying to figure out where his bag was. So I'm calling out other dudes names. I'm in heels in rocks, just like calling out Miller and just throwing a hundred pound sea bag trying to get it out of the way so we could go to dinner because they got back late. And he was upstairs hitting on my now best friend we hadn't met yet. And his her brother came to him, came to her and was like, "Don't. don't even go near him. He's bad news his fiance is downstairs. And she was like, oh, ew. Nobody told me. Right. Nobody said shit. Not even her. She's like, I did not even put it together for the longest time that that was your guy. I was like, and she goes, by the time I figured it out, you were already married. Hmm. Like, oh, okay. So she just wanted to be there for me. So how did you get out? He left me. Uh, Yeah. He, I finally had definitive proof that he'd been cheating. How did you get that? He decided to take some night classes at the community college so he could get some of his VA money, uh, which never made it to the house. <laughs> I was the breadwinner. That was fun. Uh, and he decided not to come home one night. And he was gone till like three or four in the morning. And I went full FBI. Mm-hmm. And I realized that he's, listen, he was not a bright and so it was super easy I just went to his Verizon account he would never set up his online account so I just set up his online account for him because as a military wife you know everything including their social security number so I just set it up for him because I was just being a helpful wife and then I looked at his call records and his text message records and there was this one number that just kept popping up and popping up and popping up and popping up so I called it and it went to voicemail and it was a girl named I think Sam or something like that and I was like huh and there was another number that I called and And uh, that was another woman. And then I called my best friend who had been through being cheated on. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, honey, he's cheating. And I was like, are you sure? And she goes, Bam, Yeah, he's cheating. And I was like, okay, what do I do? And she's like, that's up to you. So the next day, I remember I was in a Home Depot. Did you feel a little bit like I've got a golden ticket? Like, no. You able to get out of the snow? I was devastated. I felt like vomiting because I had already, I had already reserved myself to the idea that this was my fate this is what the next 17 years of my life were going to look like. And I had found a way to be happy in spite of him. And it was when I kind of cleaved myself emotionally from him. And I started viewing him as like a roommate and I didn't have any expectations of him. I didn't ask him for anything. I didn't talk to him about anything. He was just in his man cave playing his video games all day long. And I took care of the kids and the pets and the house and I made the dinner and I did all the chores and I didn't expect anything from him. I started being really happy. Um, so to find out that I had done as much as I could to be a good wife and I still wasn't enough, it it felt like a reflection on my failure as a wife. I remember the next. But I, I guess I was happy because I was like, I'd already asked for couples counseling and he told me no. Um, and the one thing I thought was, oh, now he has to go to couples counseling with me, which for you listeners out there. If you ever have to drag someone to couples counseling, it's not going to (laughs) work. No. Right. Uh, It is. But I remember the next morning I had called the girls like, I just need more. I need more proofs. Because when you're in a narcissistic abusive relationship and they're constantly telling you that your memories and the things that you've perceived to be true are not true you start becoming a lawyer and you gather your evidence because you aren't going to approach them unless you have concrete proof that what you believe happened happened. And the reason you're feeling this way is justified. So I called the girls and I was like, do you know somebody by this name? And I remember they all called him by a name, like a shortened version of his name um, that he hated. And I was like, (laughs) and none of them helped me. They were all like, "Honey, you need to talk to your husband." Then, and I said, "Bitch, do you think I would be calling you if I thought he'd be honest with me? What is this? What is this? Not what about tacos before vatos, man? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> right? None of them would help me, but it was clear to me that he was that he was out all night, clearly with another woman. You know." Wow. He didn't come home the night that our daughter had 104-degree fever. He told me I couldn't take her to the hospital until it was 105, because that's when the brain starts melting, and she's fine up until then. We didn't want to spend money on the hospital visit. And he didn't come home, and he told me that he just stayed at his mom's house. But his mom, <laughs> before he talked to her, his mom was all like, no, he wasn't here that night. It's like, I had proof. And so I went to him and I said, I talked to this person. I talked to your mom. I talked to all these people. I know that you're lying to me. I know you're cheating. So will you go to therapy with me? And he sat and he goes, mm, you're not worth it. Well. Wow. And that was Easter Sunday. It was a March 31st. <laughs> and we were all dressed in our Easter clothes. And we had to take our daughter to his parents' house and my mom's house to do the Easter egg hunts and everything. Mm-hmm. And I just remember... I just remember sitting there going, all right, well, you get to tell your mom that you need to stay at her house tonight since you don't want to be here. And we sat on the couch and he didn't open his mouth because he was too much of a fucking coward to say anything. And I said, your son has something he'd like to talk to you guys about. And I sat there with my head on my chin or my chin on my fist. And I was like, any day now. And he didn't say a word. I said, your son would love to come and live here for a little while because he doesn't want to be married to me anymore. We don't say pussy anymore. What do we say for that? Cause pussy's little man, bitch, <laughs> little boy, bitch, <laughs> ball sack. Cause a weak ball ass ball sack. Don't be a ball sack. <laughs> don't, be a don't be such a. Don't be such a flaccid dick. Don't be a weak ass man, bitch. <laughs> but even that has a female connotation. We got. Don't, don't be a man's ego. <laughs> it's <that's> fragile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I remember his dad was pissed. And I think it's because he's also miserable in his marriage, but he's like, I promised to stay married to your mom until all of our kids were grown and out of the house. So you had to stay married until your kids are grown and out of that. I had to be miserable. It's that boomer, like, I had to suffer. So you have to suffer too. His mom was elated. She fucking hated me, even though she's the one that set us up. And I remember she's like, What happened? What did you do? And I was like, Ma'am. Your son actively raped me regularly and then chokeslammed me against a wall in December. And she goes, Well, what'd you do to deserve it? Oh my God. And that's when I was like, Oh, I'm done. And people were so shocked with how fast my divorce went. I was, that was March 31st, our divorce was signed, finalized by the judge and a decree by August 5th. And that included the 60-day conciliation or 30-day conciliation that's required in Arizona. And people were like, why was that so fast? Divorces take longer. I said, why would I want to spend any time? Why would I spend any more time married to this person who doesn't want to be married to me? But I didn't even realize that it was a power thing. Like he did want to be married to me because he... Because I was a thing that belonged to him. Well, and why wouldn't you want everything taken care of in your life so you can play video games and right fuck whoever you want to fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, and a chef, mm-hmm. and all of the things. And then he spent all my money too, because I was also the breadwinner. Yeah, <laughs> which feels to me very opposite of what a masculine, mm-hmm. like a toxic masculinity man would be okay with, right? Mm-hmm. You think it'd be like, oh, she's making more money than me, but. In this situation, he was just real happy that I was making money that he could then spend on doomsday prep stuff. But how has, since then, how has the healing process progressed? I would not be where I am today without therapy, and I wish I would have started therapy a lot sooner. Um, So anybody who has ever gone through this or is currently going through this, please, please get therapy because even people who have good intentions who have never been through it, or have been through it but haven't gotten help themselves don't know how to help you heal Mm -mm. and it took me a long time to find a therapist that was good and i know it can be disheartening trying to find a good therapist that you jive with and that also takes your insurance right (laughs) and is also accepting new clients um but it's definitely worth putting the work in to find a good one because i finally found one who has started to help me understand that just because your memory is fallible doesn't mean that you're making entire swaths of your life up. And then another thing that he taught me that recently clicked with me is as a person who has been a victim of narcissism, you're generally you generally tend to be a more empathetic person because That's how they pick you. They pick mm-hmm. generous, empathetic and, people. and empathetic people will see people abusing them and go, oh but why are they doing this? They must have a childhood trauma of their own. They must be hurt. And I remember doing that too. Oh, he's got PTSD. That's why he's acting this way. I watched, what's that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> I watched Jarhead. I'm not going to be the wife that leaves him just because he's abusing me. I knew what I was signing up to. I haven't seen that because we um, at this podcast are team Taylor Swift. So we do not watch Jake Gyllenhaal movies. It was not great Taylor Swift that I saw it. <laughs> I will so. renounce him all day, every day for, <laughs> for the queen tea. <laughs> uh, uh, though, but, but seriously, <laughs> I do that too. Like, even with my ex husband now, mm-hmm. there are days that I feel so guilty for leaving, for where we are today, because I know that all of the things that happened to him in his childhood to create. That mm-hmm. narcissism were not his fault. Yeah. And as a mother, like my immediate, like I think of my own children and like think of protecting them and like how they would feel if they were being treated that way. And like I start to have, um, what did we call it? Amnesia, but we called it um, narcissist amnesia, <laughs> I think the other day when we were talking about it. Where you just forget some of those things because your ability to reason and to empathize is so strong. And my current husband will have to be like, hey, remember? (laughs) Yeah. And have to, like, break me out of it. And he'll say, yes, all of those horrible things happened, but adults have to heal themselves. Like, there comes a point at which, while none of this was your fault... You are now an adult and in charge of the rest of your story. Like it is yeah. your responsibility to heal from these things and to get help and to not treat people shitty because you have had bad things happen. 100%. Yeah. And that's far. Yeah. Yeah. There's So there's two things that have stuck with me that I kind of started saying as a mantra in my head. And one, the first thing I heard is it's a host from my favorite podcast. Uh, and if you guys want to know, I'll totally tell you what it is. Um, you can say it. We, uh, last podcast on the left, uh, they do like macabre stuff, um, serial killers and cults and stuff like that. The guy who does all the research, he suffers from bipolar disorder and he's very transparent about it. And he said something like a couple of years ago on the podcast that his therapist told him and it was, your mental illness is not your fault, but it is your responsibility and that stuck with me on a personal level, because I remembered realizing that I had ptSD from the abuse I had suffered, And I wasn't getting the help that I needed from it, and my family was suffering. And that's why I started getting help with a therapist. The second thing I heard was actually very, very recent. Uh, and it was the there's this therapist on TikTok who's hilarious. I can't remember his name right now, but he had this whole thing. and I'll shorten it. He basically said, just because you understand why they're treating you that way does not negate the fact that they shouldn't be treating you that way. Right. That's- so you're sitting there and you're justifying their actions because you're an empathetic person and you can understand, oh, they've got childhood trauma and they've got PTSD and they've got alcoholism and they've got all these other issues. That does, that still doesn't make it okay. At the end of the day, are you happy in your relationship? because love should not be strife and struggling and resentment and digging through the mud all the time. Yeah, you'll have those moments. But love should feel secure and happy and and joyous and exciting and that's what your relationship should feel like the majority of the time. So it doesn't matter that they've got trauma. That's not your responsibility. That's not they shouldn't shove that and sh- make you shoulder that. Right. It's just because you're an empathetic person. Absolutely. And that's why they see these types of people. Yeah.
1: Because, you know, it's funny. And- knowingly or unknowingly, I mean, you know, empathetic people
0: will basically. You can fix them. Yeah. You can fix them. Well, and like, I know for her um, story, it's like, I can't also leave this person here alone to deal with all like like you feel like you're this
1: safe and i was like leaving her to the wall right which is exactly what she said i'm
0: mm-hmm. not quite in our relationship you can't leave me or being afraid that if you leave they'll hurt themselves that's a the big one oh yeah that's a really big definitely one. what did i say so the other day like i said <laughs> and you finally drink that big glass of this is not my fucking problem oh yeah, yeah. Once I find out, right around that happens, right around thirty-two to thirty-five years old. Yep, it doesn't just go, oh, listen, I don't give a fuck anymore. This thing, this is a you problem, not my problem. Because then I'm not your mother, I am not your maid. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go. But what did I do wrong? <laughs> What did I do to deserve this? It's though? not funny, but like we're we're taught as women to be nurturing and to please and to be yes people and to not make people uncomfortable and not take up too much space and like all of these things. <laughs> and when you're on the outside looking back, it seems just We're not supposed to say the C word. It seems just so overt. But when you're in it, you're like, this is my failure somehow. Like, surely he's just protective and he's just Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, When in reality, I'm not a doctor or a therapist. But that sounds a whole lot like a cluster B personality disorder. Where he's not going to ever be able to feel human feelings. Oh, yeah. I mean, people that he knew would say, oh, the second he got to our unit, he was really great. And once he'd ingratiated himself with his higher ups and stuff like that, and he had felt like he had put enough effort in to introduce himself to the unit as a specific personality, he would just drop it. And everyone was always really disconcerted with just how empty and void of emotion he was and how much of an asshole he was. Because it was like after about three months, he'd be like, "Eh, I don't care anymore. And he would just go to being this like weird non-human person. I mean, when his aunt came out as gay, I remember him. We were driving back to where I was going to school, like, two hours away, and on that trip, he was like, "Well, gay people aren't humans." Oh my god! And I was like, it's coming from the non-human, right? Car. And I was like, but if you, <laughs> yeah. uh, if you cut, if you cut a cute, like you cut up a straight person and a and a non-straight person, and you looked at their bodies on the insides, you know, it's the same, right? You get that, right? You get like you're not you're just exaggerating and you you don't actually think that they're a different species, right? And that's when I realized he was real stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Because he legit thought that there was just something biologically different. And I was like, or you just ruined men for them. (laughs) They saw their nephew and was like, nope, we're done. (laughs) This can't end well. I took it. (laughs) So let's finish with what would you tell someone who either is in the middle of something like this or has a loved one who they are watching this happen to? Okay. So if you're the one in it, I want to tell you you're not crazy. Absolutely. I know that you're telling yourself, maybe I just misremembered it. Maybe I interpreted it incorrectly. And I want to tell you that your feelings cannot be lies. They cannot be wrong. Your feelings are your feelings. And regardless of whether the facts of the situation differ from what your partner or parent or whoever you suspect might be your narcissistic abuser is saying, whatever is happening is causing you to feel bad and not good and not okay. It's making you feel bad things about yourself, and it's making you second-guess yourself. And so regardless of the facts of it, that they can argue with you that you're making up or you're getting wrong, at the end of the day, your feelings can't be wrong or lies or anything like that. A feeling is a feeling. It's a neutral thing. You can always trust your feelings. If you have somebody whos who you're witnessing be a victim of narcissistic abuse, unfortunately, from my experience, it you can't them out you can't convince them to see it a different way because that narcissist knows what they're doing they've got a whole handbook i swear to god it's like they read from it um, but don't give up on them i know it's frustrating for you because you see them allowing themselves to get hurt in your opinion but they're going to need somebody there for them when it ends. And and when, that, when they're at that top of that narcissistic abuse cycle where they're just about to walk away because the narcissist has started treating them like shit just before they start love bombing to get them to come back, you can be there in that moment. And anytime that narcissist starts love bombing them again, you're in their ear going, remember when they did that four months ago? Remember when they said that exact same thing? I was doing that with my best friend she finally walked away from her husband because I was like, honey, do you remember? He did this exact same thing. I guarantee you, if you say this, this is what he's going to do tomorrow. And I'm not I'm not a psychic. I'm just, he's doing the same thing the same time. And you can be that person that's reminding them, hey, this actually happened and you're not crazy. And it's not going to be different this time because it's already been like this four times. You be there for them. And if they don't listen and they go back don't judge them for it because they're already sitting there feeling so heavy with the responsibility of keeping their partner happy that they're going to end up cutting you off if they're afraid that they're disappointing you too by being in their relationship right so just be there for them if you can't do that that's fine like nobody's expecting you to be that person for somebody everybody has their limits but if you have it within you Just just be that person for them. Hold the space. Hold the space for them. Keep reminding them that they're not crazy. Keep reminding them. Now, remember, I remember, too. You're not crazy because you told me when that happened. I remember that that happened. And you can be that person that keeps reminding them that you're not nuts. (laughs) You know, we're not supposed to say crazy, but that's what narcissists call us. They call us crazy. They raise words like that and those biased words, the words that that are automatically triggering to us because as women we're taught you don't want to be called that and you don't want to be that kind of a woman you know so they use those words effectively and I think that's uh appropriate to use in this situation but yeah just keep reminding them that they that they're not incorrect in their memories and the way that they feel and just hold space for them until they're ready to get out Thank you so much for being willing to tell your story. It's not easy, I know, to rehash and relive um, traumatic events and things that happen. It takes a lot of emotional energy, and it will help someone someday. So thank you for being willing to put yourself out there and um, tell your story. Thanks. And the more you talk about it, I think the, the better it gets. Like, don't, don't hold it so close to your heart that you don't ever like share your story because I never would have realized it if it hadn't been for millions of women on Twitter and on TikTok telling their stories. So, And it makes you feel better the more you talk about it too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, thank you. Thank
1: you for listening. We appreciate it so much. If you wanna support our show further, you can share our podcast with your friends, follow us on our socials at ngcompod, or sign up for our Patreon to help keep the show going with a donation. Or you can become a patron for exclusive access to bonus content and interact with us and other loyal listeners on our feed. Meanwhile, if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a positive review. If you didn't, no worries, move on about your day. If you wanna share your story on our show, please visit our website at ngcompod.com to fill out the contact us form. Thanks again for listening.